DJ and PK, it's time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David's weekly appearance is brought to you by Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. This is so cool. You know why? Why? Because I remember when I first started in the business, I yeah. thought the coolest thing, and this was like when I was in L.A., and it's 1992, and starting in the business means that for my graduation present from college, this is uh, my dad actually gave, bought me um, a radio like station, eight 30-minute shows at 11.30 at night on Sundays on a L.A. station where you could buy time so I could have resume tapes. So that was my version of being in the business. Ah. But I, rem- I remember that like the thing that I thought early in the business was the coolest was the jazz traded Eric Murdoch for Jay Humphreys, and I was a huge jazz fan. I was like, why would they do that? I love Eric Murdoch. I was a toy bump. And um, so I picked up the phone and called Brad Rock. I was like, hi, this is David Locke of KIV 870 in Los Angeles, and I just wanted to get some insight on this trade. And, like, really all it was, I was a talk show host caller, but there wasn't talk shows really that yet, totally. And so this is cool, because you're the most informed person I know who's thought all of these things through, and I'm just going to start asking you questions. So, Big Ten ACC, what do you think happens next? They play conference-only games, and then later on they announce that the season isn't going to start on Labor Day weekend, and they push it back to October, and then depending on how things go from there, and I'm no epidemiologist, uh, but how things go from there depends on whether they kick it off in late September or early October or late October or early November. Okay, I don't entirely understand, other than time, what the Big Ten and the ACC think they bought by doing this. I think... I'm afraid, I don't want to believe this, but I was thinking this through last night, I'm afraid they're admitting to themselves that they're not going to play 12 games. And they have, okay. they have 14 team leagues. They could play 12 games with conferences and just keep sliding the schedule back. I, what I hope they did is that they've decided they're going to play the, the college football playoff after the Super Bowl. And that they're giving themselves, I, I can't do the math live on the air, but about 20 weeks to try and play the 12 games. I'm afraid they're going to end up playing six or eight. Well, what do you, I mean, what, so you just think they bought time? Yes. Is your take. Yeah. Okay. Because really, most of these big schools aren't traveling for non-conference games. Right, but they, they need to start practicing now to be ready for Labor Day. They don't think they can practice now. We just saw North Carolina had 37 positive tests and shut right. down for a week. So, and Ohio State shut down for a week but didn't announce the number. So they're thinking we're not going to be able to kick off to October. I don't know if we're going to get all our games in. How are we going to reschedule these non-conference games? Never mind. This is not a petulant move to just screw over their non-conference opponents. Right. Because... They're giving up Wisconsin-Notre Dame. And someone is calling from a TV network. I assume that's an ESPN game, but maybe it's a Fox game. And someone is calling from a TV network. WT bleep. <laughs> what are you doing? And they're literally like, we just don't think we can pull this off. You know, they're, they're getting, they've got doctors and medical schools at some of these campuses, obviously. And they're looking at the trend of where this is going to go over the next eight weeks. And they're thinking, there's no way we're playing 12 games. Heck, we're not even playing 10. That's what I'm afraid of. I don't know that. Nobody's told me that. That's what I'm afraid of. What the data that we don't have, we can probably guess. 
the data we don't have. It's like North Carolina has all those tests. Is that because these guys are all living in the same house? Or is that because they're having football practice against each other? Well, the things that have gone public that we know is that Texas had 13 positive tests a couple of weeks ago because they all met at somebody's apartment. And I don't know if they, you know, had a keg or played video games or both or whatever, but they got together in a social group. Maybe they just ordered pizza and hung out, whatever. They were in a social group. What they did didn't matter. It was a lot of people in a smaller area. We know that what happened at LSU is 30 guys went to a nightclub. So you're yelling over the music to be heard, you're singing, you're dancing, all that stuff forces air out of your lungs in an enclosed area, they end up with 30 positive tests. We know, so that, a, we know that a women's soccer team in Orlando went to dinner together. Right. I'm not hearing, we talked to uh, Dr. David Petron about this, and he had noted the same thing, that the positives weren't coming from the weight room, the film room, the individual voluntary workouts. They were coming from the downtime social settings go to apartment, go out to dinner, go to a club. Indoors, unmasked people, small area. It seems like, I'm no epidemiologist, but it seems like that combination is always going to be a problem. So what's getting, it gets interesting if this is true, and, I, and I've read the same kind of stuff, but you know, none of us know, and we have to remember this is six months old, it's still just so infantile, is it's all of the items surrounding the game. So it's the locker room. Everyone's got to be masked or however you're going to do it. It's, it is the concept of a film room. By definition, it's, it's the bus, right? It's probably not the hotels if you're all in individual rooms instead of single, but then it's c- congregating because you're 20-year-old kids. Like, it's an interesting thing. It's all of the things around the actual game Maybe the key. I mean, I think what's going to be really interesting is... NBA, MLS, whether or not we see any, um, and this is, I think, really interesting for our kids, too, frankly, um, any transmission during sporting events. And if there's not, then that's great. And then you just have to be really diligent in the classroom. Is that all your questions now? Are you done reliving the good old days? Is your dad buying time? My dad's buying me time. That, by the way, right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's pretty creative, by the way. Yeah, I, I worked at the campus radio station, so for free. Well, I didn't. My <laughs> campus didn't have a radio station. We created it. I was lucky mine did. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I totally lucked into it. Yeah, so we, I went to Occidental. We didn't have it. But we, my buddy, Mark Teitelman, who actually has gone on to win um, multiple sports Emmys for doing the SBs, the Women's World Cup, um, he's actually the CBS football producer and directors and he's really quite brilliant he and i were roommates and we wanted to call our occidental college games um because we both wanted to get in the business and so we tried to figure out how to do it this was before streaming and so we found a radio station in la where you could buy time and so um we went and got alumni and raised enough money with alumni to buy the time and so that's how then my dad knew about that from um to get me talk show tapes. That was my college graduation present. There it is. <sighs> Any more deep thoughts on the Utah Jazz of the week to analyze and overanalyze what we're about to see? Um, I mean, it's neat that they're back out on the floor. It sounds like they just had a regular practice yesterday, talk, hearing from Rudy. Um, he made it sound like it was just good old days practice. Um, you know, they're trying to figure out 
they're, you know, it's crazy because I was texting with one of our coaches and, you know, they're really to some extent like rebuilding a team, right? Like what's the rotation? Like, and I think we've talked about this before. What's hard for them is they have no data to really know a lot because Boyan and Rudy were on the floor together almost the entire time together. Um, they really matched Boyan's minutes with Rudy. Um, pretty smart. I didn't realize I actually had been doing it during the season. I'm kind of embarrassed by that. Um, but so the only data they have is that the Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang, Tony Bradley lineup was really on fire late in the year. Um, and now it's so are you actually trying to build your whole rotation system backwards um, off of a bench unit? Like it's an interesting, they're really almost rebuilding the how the team plays. I mean, what I don't know if you've thought about it, and it's pretty boring to do on the radio, but, you know, I'm assuming you're starting Joe, but frankly, the data shows you that Joe, Mike, and Donovan on the floor together is a really bad idea. It doesn't seem to have worked this year. When you separate them, they actually, then it all works. Um, but I think, you know, we've seen Joe, you know, be un, unengaged, um, I guess would be the phrase. I'm not sure that's a word, but um, on the floor when he's not had the ball in his hands this year. Um, and when you're on the floor with Mike and Donovan, you don't get the ball in your hands. You're really just a spot-up shooter. And, you know, he doesn't. that doesn't seem to, to get him to be playing at his peak level. It's when you put the ball back in his hands that he's at his peak level. Well, how you know, what is the process to be able to get Joe those minutes while he's starting? Um, and can we really, you know, so it gets really complicated. I mean, I think you've got to sub out and sub in pretty quickly because, frankly, the starting lineup doesn't doesn't really work together, but they're, they're, they're missing the fifth guy in every lineup. So if you can put these lineups together to make you believe they're going to work and they're missing the fifth guy, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see who the fifth guy is really a power forward, right? So is it, is it Royce playing four? Is it George Miang playing four? Is it Emmanuel Moutier playing four? Um, is it Jarrell Brantley playing four? Is it Jawan Morgan? Like I you just I, you just you got to my next question. Is there somebody who's not playing at all that can be plugged in instead of altering the role of someone and taking them out of that productive role? And Morgan and Brantley, we've heard both privately and publicly positive statements about their development, but that doesn't mean they're at the point in their development where they're ready for this. Maybe it does. You know, maybe it doesn't. I'm, I'm not clear on that. Are you? All right, so I'm going to back up a step because I actually think there's another part to that conversation. And that is, and I have not done the math on this, I know that Corey Jez is the Jez, certainly probably has. And that is the potential seeding situations. Okay? So, like, if we win three games, then I think Dallas can't catch us, right? I don't know that exactly. But if we win four, then so-and-so can't catch us, right? If we win five, then so-and-so can't. Another team can't catch us, right? Like, you're kind of playing your magic number. The, the relevance to that is at some point in this process, your seeding options are going to get really low for the playoffs. Like, there's just, it's going to minimize itself. And at that point, uh, or earlier, if you can kind of figure it out beforehand, you have the opportunity to let Jarrell Brantley and Jawan Morgan play extended NBA minutes and, de- and see a chance for development that you just would never get any other way. Um, in the sense that one, you're playing only good teams. There's really no, but shouldn't other than the Wizards and the Nets, and, and we'll see what the Suns do. There shouldn't be anybody tanking. Um, 
And so unlike March and April where you might roll a guy out for 15 minutes and it's not really very like high level, this is actually going to be eight games that are fairly high level against good teams. And it's such a better learning environment and from both the player and the team about the player than the summer league. Summer league, I'm just not, I'm actually not a believer in it at all, but um, I'm sure coaches and GMs would snicker at me on that. I just often, 90% of the time, I think it's putting a player in a role that he's not going to play in the league. And so Jarrell Brantley and Ron Morgan, in this circumstance, if you just decide you're giving him 14 or 16 minutes, that's 14 or 16 really good minutes in an NBA setting. It might be worth just doing that to see what they can do. The problem is you're trying to figure out who you are for the playoffs at the same time. And if they're not going to be a part of that, which I think is unlikely just because of how young they are and how you know they're not top 10 draft picks, um, then it's a little hard to do that in that setting. But it is an opportunity if things line up correctly. So as far as the playoff seeding, I know there's uh, a bunch of different teams they could face, but realistically, they're not going to drop to seven and play the Clippers. Uh, they could drop to six and play the okay. Nuggets. So the you've, Nuggets done the math, third? you've done the math more than me. Without Boyan, playing only good teams, if we go two and six. Well, you're, you're, you're playing the Spurs twice without LaMarcus Aldridge, so I don't know that you're only that's playing not, good that's teams. That's good for the Spurs, not bad for the Spurs. You think they're going to come in? I, I question... Well, they're just a much better team with LaMarcus Aldridge off the floor, both offensively and, and defensively. And I, I get that. He can be a high-usage guy shooting long, too. So if he's not hot, and he did have a night where he was hot against the Jazz, but if he's not hot, then that can make them a worse team. So I get where you're going with that. But... Are the Spurs going to come in trying guys out? Or are the Spurs going to come in desperate to make the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know. That's why I'm thinking that they don't have that much to play for, especially the second time they play. Right. I mean, I, so I don't I think, think we, I, I, I think we could really struggle. Just we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, and, and I get that, but I think other people may struggle yeah. too. I don't know that this is going to be the best basketball right out of the gate. I just think that the way the standings look. Most of the combinations, and it, and it could break another way, but most of the combinations have the Jazz playing the Thunder of the Rockets. Now that home court, and it doesn't matter if you're four or five, you take that out of the mix. Um, it doesn't matter if you're three or six either, right? Not, not a lot. I mean, it, it could matter because if you feel like we really want to play this team and we really don't want to play that team. Okay, so that could matter. Um, but I think they're probably playing the Thunder of the Rockets there is a chance they could get the Nuggets or the Mavs, but it seems pretty unlikely. Right. I mean, it's limited. So you just got to, yeah. I mean, um, it's funny, of all those teams, I wouldn't want to play the Mavs. The Mavs are the team that I fear the most in, um, if, I, if I was the Clippers, Lakers. Even with their lack of playoff experience? Yeah, I just think they've got the most special player of the group. Um, I think... They have the most unique lineup with Chris Stapps. And while they certainly missed White Powell an awful lot, they have some lineup groupings that are really, really great. And if they can uh, put those on the floor for much longer periods of time, it'll, I don't know that they'll still be as great because maybe part of the reason those lineup combinations are so great that Rick Carlisle used them conservatively. But I wonder if, if they get out there. Um, and then... You know, if you look at the data coming out of Europe on that league, the shooting is at a premium, and they've got some—they've got good shooting. 
I'm surprised you said Doncic is the most, uh, I can't remember it, special, unusual, whatever, uh, more, than, more than Harden, because there are plenty of Jazz fans listening to this who fear yeah, James I mean, Harden. I mean, I love James Harden, so... Um, you yeah, might concede uh, that point. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, I love James Harden, and probably I'm overstretching on Doncic there. Um, but I do just feel like he's... I mean, if it's not today, it's tomorrow, right? Right. That's I. And I totally agree with you on that. I just don't know that it's today in Orlando. You know. Right. You, you, I think the by the way, I think the basketball is going to be incredible very quickly. Really good. Uh-huh. I'm glad to hear it. If you just if you just do the timing on it, so they practiced yesterday. Uh-huh. They actually have 21 days now before they play the first game, right? 20. What is it? Uh, like the 30th. So. Yeah, we're inside of three weeks. We're just inside okay, of. Okay, that's weeks, a man. lot. That's a, that's more than training camp. That's, that's, I mean, if you go to the first day of practice after media day, the first game of the year, that's the same amount. Good. Yeah. I hope it works, and I hope they come out so, flying. I'm, I'm ready so, to see some high-level basketball. And then let's say that the first – let's say that the eight-seeding games aren't very good. Let's just concede that for a second. Um, By the time you get to the playoffs, it could be good. Yes, I get right. that. Right. We're then yeah. six, they're six weeks in, and here are the reasons why it'll be great. No travel. No fatigue. They're playing every other day which is how you keep an athlete at peak performance. There'll be no extended days off in the playoffs like they have been in the past, which mm-hmm. has been ridiculous. And instead of having played, this is where suddenly the break becomes an advantage. They're all now at peak performance. But instead of having played since October in an 82-game grind that they've been trying to manage and that they're mentally, you know, that they're fried, they're actually coming in having just had four months off and only been playing for a month. Now, there's the mental health element of being in a bubble, but that, you know, if you're, and that'll be you know the downside. But I don't know if there will be a downside for all players. For some players, it'd be great. And I cannot tell you how fatiguing travel is. I just yeah. am the biggest believer that the that the as much as the sleep, the actual airplane flight. Like I know there's been studies done. It. I'd like to read more. What that recycled air and being in the on an airplane does to your body and fatigues you. At this, even if it's at one percent or two percent or three percent, is enormous, and that's gone. And I think we're going to see, particularly, I mean, if you think about by the time we get to the second round, David, and you have the final eight teams, and you don't have the Wizards or Nets doing their silly stuff that they're doing right now, and you now have been playing for what six weeks plus a three-week training camp, you're nine. They're they're in perfect shape. They're nine weeks in. I look forward to it. David, as always, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon.